It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Walk in like Skip Bayless, take number four, and let's get it. HBCU wide receivers are stealing the show at the East-West Shrine Bowl, and Maryland Eastern Shore suffocates Morgan State with yet another dominant defensive performance. Oh, yeah. It's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, of course, Sam Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives, which you can see at the bottom of the screen, but maybe you're on the audio side of things. And I want to tell you, don't forget the S on the end of South Exclusives. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. And the HBCU wide receivers are well represented at this East-West Shrine Bowl. You have Shaq Davis, you have Jadakiss Bonds, and you have Dallas Daniels. All prospects that are going to get a lot of buzz, and I, I'm, I'm actually hearing a lot of good things about them on the field as well. But I want to start off with a press conference. I want to start off with the words that Shaq Davis had to say. And we're going to talk about the other two later. It's not that Davis isn't performing on the field. Heck, Gerald Huggins said that this was his best day of practice just yesterday. So I don't want to make it seem like he's not performing up to a standard. So now we have to focus on his words. It's just that I felt like his words were so powerful that I wanted to devote the first segment to it because I felt like he kind of detailed, not purposefully, I think he was just talking about his own experience. But in doing so, I think that Shaq Davis detailed what, these pre-draft bowls are for a lot of FCS and HBCU players. I think this is kind of the experience that they go through. So I'm going to read to you the quotes that he said, and then I'm going to also tie it together just so you know how it all pertains to the stereotypical uh, experience that they have. Now, I'm not going to read these verbatim. A lot of these are going to be par paraphrased. There's a, you know, because if I just read it verbatim, you might not exactly know what he's trying to say. So I'm just going to help you by filling in the context and just telling you what he's saying. So when talking about getting accustomed to press coverage, he said, I didn't face many aggressive corners in the HBCU level, called it an eye opener in trying to adapt. So I thought that was important. Then he also called this this East West Shrine Bowl a humbling experience. I thought humbling experience was kind of interesting that he said that, but he said it was a humbling experience and in always places that he can grow is what he's seeing. And then lastly, or not lastly, excuse me, he asked, what did he prove? He said he proved that I can compete with the best competition and that a lot of people say HBCU competition isn't great. And then the last thing he was asked, what will you take away from this? Or what things are you learning? What things are you seeing? He said he's learned about landmarks, split, spatial awareness, 
Those are all things that he's taken away from this. So now that I've listed out some of the main quotes that he said, some of the main bullet points that he was able to hit, let me contextualize them for you. Not only in how he meant it, but then also how I mean it when I say this is this, this is just the typical from the outside looking in. This is what I think an FCS HBCU player typically goes through in these type of bowl games. Because remember, these are major events. These are the type of things that really do help get people drafted. And these are the type of things that help small school prospects really soar. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for small school prospects, specifically HBCUs, to soar in the draft. We want to see more and more get drafted. We've seen four get drafted last year. I think some point in this offseason, I'll give you the amount that I think gets drafted this year. But I have to look at the buzz. I have to look at the performance. I got to look at the, the value and all of those things, right? So that'll be later on. But right now, Shaq Davis is in this game and they asked what was different what was something that he really wasn't you know maybe accustomed to and it was press coverage he said he didn't face many aggressive corners now part of that is probably because he's a speedster that probably has something to do with it but also he said that just wasn't the style that he had to face okay I think that's what a lot of these things are about it's about getting you in new places whether that's competing against power five schools maybe that's a, or power five players players who come from a power five school or if that's just giving you different looks that you haven't seen before. That's what they want to give you. They want to see how do you adjust to it. And if Gerald Huggins' uh, breakdown is any indication, it sounds like Shaq Davis is putting it together nicely. He actually had his best day, like I said, last or just yesterday. So that means he's starting to put it together. That's a good sign. That's what the scouts would want to see. But then also he talked about how am I going to beat it? Because that's also the thing he said he's going to work on leaving this beating press. He already has a plan of action. He said, I'm going to work on not having my chest so open. He's six, four, I believe. So he's a tall guy. And in being a tall guy, he's going to be taller than most corners. So he understands that that angle is important that he keeps his chest down coming out of his release because he doesn't want them to get into his chest. So he's already identified a problem, identified a plan of action. I love that. But that's we're getting a little bit off base. You want to get new things into your system. Humbling experience. I don't know if it's always humbling, right? I don't know if that's the greatest word for it for everybody. But I think a lot of times it's like, okay, you dominated on this FCS level. Well, what can you do when you go against this other competition? Oh, you're not as dominant, but are you still good? Remember the words of Gerald Huggins just last week, really just two episodes ago. You need to show that you belong. That's why it was the title of the segment on Friday. HBCU players have to show they belong in the NFL PA Bowl. Yeah, we were talking about that at that time, but that still goes for the Senior Bowl. That goes for the, the East-West Shrine Bowl. It goes for all of these games. You got to show that you belong. So even though it might be a humbling experience, maybe you're not as dominant as you used to be or you're used to being, I should say, you still have to show that you belong. And I think that Shaq Davis has done enough to do that. And I think he believes that as well because when asked, he said, I showed I can compete with the best of the competition. People say HBCU competition isn't great. And not, I don't know if that's everybody's experience, but that's everybody's goal. Everybody's goal coming in is to show I was not good because I was playing on the FCS level. I was good because I was good and I just so happened to not be playing power five. But if you put me up against this cornerback from Alabama, look what I can do. You put me up against this this uh, safety or this two, or yeah, just this safety corner tandem, really, because we're not talking about one on ones. You put me against this safety corner tandem. Watch how I be, how I'm able to find the hole in cover two. Those are things that you're looking for. You want to be able to showcase to scouts that I'm not a product of where I was. I'm just good, and my location happened to be that. So, 
if he feels like he was able to do that, that's the full experience. You start off coming in. Oh, eyes open. This is new. Got to get accustomed to something new. Then you also realize, okay, I might not be as dominant as I was on the FCS level now that I'm going against these other guys. But at the end of the day, did I achieve my goal? Which is to show that I might not be as dominant, but I am still a really good player. And if Shaq Davis feels like he did all of that, I think he had the stereotypical positive FCS HBCU experience at some of these bowl games because that is the goal, that is the mission, and that's also the process of getting there for many of these guys. And going forward, we're gonna st- we're gonna stick with these HBCU wide receivers, and we're gonna talk about Jada Kiss Bonds. We're gonna talk about Dallas Daniels because they also have looked really good in a couple of days of practice, and they've had some highlight moments. So why not highlight them here on the show as we approach the East West Shrine game and we continue with Locked On HBCU. Before I get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And FanDuel is our newest sponsor here at the Locked On Podcast Network, and I love them, man. There's no better place, and I love the generosity that they show. If I put down a $5 bet as a new user, you know what they do for you. They're going to give you $150 back Excuse me, in free bets. Free bets. All you have to do is put down $5. You got $150 back. It's just that simple. It's just that easy. I, I think it's a no-brainer, to be honest. I think it's a no-brainer. If I'm going to put $5 down on this Celtics game, whoever the Celtics play next, and then I could put $150 in free bets towards the Super Bowl or something like that, I'm going to go ahead and do it. There's a reason that the slogan is make every moment more. They're going to help you do that by giving you that free money. So go ahead and do it. Your same game parlays, your money lines, your point spread. Do all of those things and make sure you're putting your money down at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen, make sure you're checking out the Locked on NFL Draft podcast because they are live from Mobile. I was down there with those guys last year, and let me tell you, Crocky knows what he's talking about. We had a long conversation about the different ways that wide receivers win, so you can listen to that podcast wherever you get them, including this app right here where you're listening to me. And speaking of wide receivers, we have... Two different style of wide receivers in Dallas Daniels and in Jadakiss Bonds. They win in two different ways. So let's talk about these two guys and how they both had highlight moments over these first couple of days of practice. In this NFL, or excuse me, the East-West Shrine game is going to be on Thursday. So remember that it's Thursday night. So let's talk about Dallas Daniels first. Let's talk about him because I thought that Emory Hunt had a real high praise for him. And I wanted to read his, his breakdown from his... I can't remember the name of his article, but basically just highlighting the players from this Shrine game. So he said that Dallas Daniels, you can't coach or teach speed and explosiveness. And that's what made Daniels stand out all week. Because of his natural ability, you can easily envision him as inside as a slot receiver or as a return specialist. Giving him a free release is just like signing your own 
death certificate. Let me read that last sentence again. Giving him a free release is just like signing your own death certificate. Now, I understand that it's probably hyperbole. I understand that it's a it's a it's a simile that, you know, you're not literally signing your own death certificate. But if somebody can describe playing a certain player that way, I think that just hammers home how good he's been all week. You know, it's the reason he said he's been a standout all week. That's what he said. That's what made Dallas Daniels a standout all week, talking about his speed and his explosiveness. All of these things go together when you really want to be honest. When you look at this whole paragraph that Emory Hunt did write, it all connects. They all fill in with each other, the speed, the explosiveness. It, it helps him with a kick return. It helps him with being inside as a slot receiver, especially when you're looking at his size. And then also it has a big part on why people cannot give him free releases. He eats it up, but it's easier said than done. Because, yes, you don't want to just have free releases because apparently it's like signing your own, your own death certificate. And I don't want to sign my own death certificate. However, he's quick. He's explosive. He's twitchy. He's fast enough to shake you on the line to where pressing him is also risky. So it's kind of like pick your poison. Which one do you feel confident with? Of course, if you can get hands on somebody like that, it's probably the best technique. That's probably the best way to stop somebody like Dallas Daniels. However, like I said, it's easy to say I want to get hands on him, but it's not as easy to actually get the hands on him and stop him. So because of that fear, people play off coverage. And he has the speed and explosiveness to eat up that cushion, or he's just going to threaten you with speed, be able to come back. Because if you're going to play that far back and you have somebody as fast as Daniels, there's no reason that the curl, the comeback, the anything coming back to the football while pushing vertical and threatening threatening to go vertical should not be working, right? That's how I look at it. When you have the speed that Daniels has, that should be one of the best tools in your toolbox, right? Of course, you're going to go on nine routes. Of course, you're going to go on goals. But when they feel that speed and they're threatened by the speed, that underneath route should also be open. Now, you're also looking at... Um, you're also looking at Jadakiss Bonds, who made the play of the day on Sunday, right? It was a play that was all over. I've seen it on Twitter. And I always wonder, this is something, let me know what you think. I always wonder this about Twitter. When you see things that are big on Twitter, how much stock do you put into it? Because it's all a product of who you follow for the most part. Of course, there's certain things here and there, but for the most part, it's a product of what you follow. I don't follow anybody from the Big Ten. I don't think I follow a single person other than now we're locked on Ohio State host i don't think i follow anybody else so if a guy from illinois happens to have a great day it might not cross my timeline i don't know let me know what you think but i did see that jadakiss bonds catch from multiple profiles from multiple angles and it was a great one it was one-on-one -on -one. he had a fade to the back pylon and he was able to catch it with one hand i think it shows his athleticism it shows his ball concentration but then also his concentration with the ball in the air i should say but then also it shows his ability to be a red zone threat it was a one-on-one -on -one. they put the ball there of course like they knew the ball was going to him and all of those but he's big enough to where even if he didn't have to catch it with one hand he excels with the fade he high points the ball very well but then also if you remember and i mean that was two weeks ago so it wouldn't be anything for you to forget but one of the things that I felt was really good with Jadakiss Bonds is his over-the-shoulder ball tracking on fade routes in the end zone. This was that except he used, excuse me, this was that except he used one hand. That's the difference. But this is that play. We've seen this on film many times over, except most times he got two hands on the ball. Either way, it was a touchdown. And it was the snag of the day. People 
credited. And I want to see him run some more underneath routes. I think he has the same appeal that Shaq Davis has. He's a big, fast guy. But then I also want to see him run some underneath routes because with his size, if he can also move the chains, the guy's going to be dangerous. And he, he's, he's another guy who's on that relative short list of players who I think could get drafted. I might have to really write it down so I can actually know who I think is going to get drafted and why. Right now, at the top of my head, if I'm just thinking, I have four. I think we do hit four. I do think we hit four. And I could even see us hitting five or six. Yeah. Yeah, we're going five or six. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to run it by some people, see what they think. But these are the players who I think could get drafted. And I'll tell you, kind of as our uh, as, as the, the month goes on and we get closer and closer to the actual draft, I'll release my list. And maybe I'll do multiple editions. Who knows? I'm just kind of thinking out loud. But I would like to see him do more underneath routes. And we've seen an in-breaking route about about a five-yard in. He got a lot of separation on that in one-on-ones. Of course, we'll be able to see him in the actual game. And I can't, I can't wait. Thursday is going to be exciting because there's three of these guys. You have Dallas Daniels, who I just told you is signing death certificates out here because of free releases, right? But then also, <laughs> but also you have Shaq Davis and then Jadakiss Bonds. All of these players will be on display on Thursday in the East-West Shrine game. So make sure you guys are tuning in for that. I know that I will. And we're going to continue with Locked on HBCU as we talk about basketball because Maryland Eastern Shore is out here just suffocating people in the MEAC and they have made it up to six straight after the victory over Morgan State. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. And as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, stop me if you've heard this one before. Maryland Eastern Shore dominates their opponent defensively. It's about every time we talk about Maryland Eastern Shore. Why? Because they continue to do it, and they continue to do it impressively. And when they do it, it always has high stakes to it. This is a team who I told you, they controlled their destiny more than anybody else in that three-way tie at the top of the MEAC. And the team that lost the most is Morgan State. Howard, still cool. Howard won both of their, both of their games. Morgan State lost both of their games, and one of those games happens to be to Maryland Eastern Shore. The Hawks do it again, suffocating a team with only 58 points allowed. That's great. So now you won six games in a row. After losing to Norfolk at the beginning of, of MEAC play, you've rattled off six straight victories, all in conference, one of which was against Howard, one of which was this game against Morgan State, and you beat everybody except for Norfolk State. Everybody. In your next conference game, because you have one in between that's not a conference game, you're not going to be playing a MEAC opponent for your next matchup. But after that, your next MEAC game is going to be against Norfolk State. 
So it's kind of a full circle type moment. And this is also an opportunity for Norfolk State. And I'm kind of setting the stage a little early. We'll do it again. But this is also a chance for Norfolk State to interject themselves back into that number one spot because they have two losses. But knocking off Maryland Eastern Shore two times will give them the tiebreaker and all of those things. Right. So it's a whole nother conversation when you get into that. But that'll be for next week because they play on the 11th. But. Speaking, this is kind of, like I said, full circle, but to keep it full circle, let's come back to Morgan State. The 58 points allowed to Morgan State is the lowest that the Hawks have allowed in a game since playing Norfolk State. I told you it all connects. It all goes together. We just keep rolling, keep rolling. I promise you we're going to come across another point. So let's keep it at Morgan State for today, though, right? Let's go ahead and end today's show talking about the Morgan State versus Maryland Eastern Shore game because the Hawks have dominated again, suffocated again. An opponent defensively they've allowed less than 60 points in five games this year with this being the fifth and it's being 58 this isn't even the lowest amount of points that they have allowed right they allowed 57 points to norfolk they allowed i think 54 is their lowest in an out of conference game this is great but i think this might be one of if not the most impressive of the five because you're looking at the team that came into the or came into this game as the number one scoring offense in the conference. They have been praised on this show for their ability to put up points. And, you know, their their conference schedule average is a little bit depleted because they did have another game like this against Howard. But it's very, very rare. It's more common that you see them put up 80 something points than put up less than 70 so this is a high-powered offense, and I don't care how many times, I'm going to continuously be surprised when they get shut down. So the fact that they were able to do that, excuse me, the fact that the Hawks were able to do that to Morgan State, that's a pat on the back. That's a pat on the back type of moment because, yeah, Isaiah Burke was able to get his, right? Isaiah Burke got his, but nobody else did. There's ways to play defense. Sometimes you just keep the star bottled up. Maybe you're all about keeping a star bottled up. But maybe sometimes, like, all right, he's going to get his. He's the man. Isaiah Burke is a dangerous scorer. So, yeah, he got his 23. But in the grand scheme of things, how much did it really help the team? I told you he scored 23 points. The rest of the team scored 35. He shot 10 of 21 from the field. The rest of the team shot 11 of 35 or 11 of 36. They shot 31% from the field. You take out his three points that he was able to make, the rest of the team was one of 10. And this is not a way to bash the Morgan State team. I promise you I'm not because the intention is to praise Maryland Eastern Shore. But you look at the job that they were able to do on anybody else. Burke got 23. Not another player got into double digits. Not even 10. The next highest score was nine points. There's multiple ways to play defense. This is a perfect example of not shutting down a star, but shutting down a defense. Isaiah Burke is dangerous, but he can't do it all by himself, especially not against a team like Maryland Eastern Shore who does this. But you know what? I want to give a little bit of a kudos to their offense too because their offense, though point-wise they stayed pretty much steady, you saw their efficiency rise. So they scored 35 points in the first half. They scored 37 points in the second half. That's a slight uptick. That's a slight bounce up, but at the same time, not too much of a difference, but you went from shooting in the 30s to shooting in the 50s as far as 30% versus 50%. You got way more efficient. You took a significantly less amount of shots in the second half, but you were still able to put up more points. You can't say the same 
about Morgan State. Morgan State went from 34 points in the first half to 24 points in the second half. This is nothing new. Maryland Eastern Shores defense is going to suffocate you. They go from completing or, or uh, knocking in about 40% of their shots to about 30% of their shots. This is a way different game if they're able to make more shots. They just aren't, though. They just aren't. Nobody else got involved. But it's not a knock against them. The same way that I say, you know what, sometimes you can't stop Isaiah Burke. When you have a guy who's that good, sometimes he's just going to get his. Well, you're going against a defense like Maryland Eastern Shore, who is one of the best in the conference. Yes, you came in as the top-rated scoring um, offense in the conference, but you're going against second, I believe. I believe they were the second-ranked scoring defense in the conference. These things happen. When you're going big on big, somebody has to end up small. That's just the re reality of it all, right? That's how I look at it. Either, either this was going to be an offensive game and Maryland Eastern Shore's defense was going to break. Doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon. Or this is going to be a defensive game and then Morgan State's offense was going to have to break. And that's kind of what happened, except Maryland Eastern Shore did put up a good amount of points. They put up over 70. So this was a really good game by them. And with this, I told you they controlled their own destiny. They won both of the games on Saturday and then also Monday. So they do sit while still tied partially with Howard. They have the tiebreaker and they are still number one in the MEAC with a big time game against Norfolk State steadily approaching and one that we should all have our eyes on. And speaking of having eyes, have the eyes and the ears on me. Continue making us your first listen of the day every day. Y'all know that I truly do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. For your second listen, go ahead and check out Locked On NFL Draft live at the Senior Bowl. I believe they'll be going on live at 8 Central today, but of course it'll be on their YouTube page, their podcast feed, and all of that if you're not able to catch it live. On tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking about FAMU because they did something interesting with their scheduling. They scheduled yet another D2 opponent. I look at what it could possibly mean and if there's any way to get into the FCS playoffs with their current scheduling. In the meantime, in between time, though, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusive. Just look at the bottom of the screen. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.